You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from Prodium, and I want you to cast your mind back several weeks to the Crawling Claw episode. Remember how I said there were so many hand puns it was impossible to choose one? Well, that except now and about eyes, because we're talking about the Cyclops, and there are literally hundreds of puns I could have made about eyes, and I just couldn't decide. Option paralysis. Here's the episode. You can find the Cyclops on page 45 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. This is another classic of Greek mythology. The Cyclops is a one-eyed giant. And in Dungeons & Dragons, they're known to be reclusive and somewhat dim-witted. In those original Greek myths, they are sometimes also described as great craftsmen. Like, for example, uh, Cyclops has supposedly built Zeus's thunderbolt, among other weapons of the gods. In Dungeons & Dragons, this is a CR6 large giant. Um, They've got high strength and high constitution, but of course low intelligence and low wisdom, which we'll talk about. They speak giant. They have an ability called poor depth perception, which I quite like. And then they have multi-attack with a great club and a thrown rock, which is pretty consistent for giants. I think this is actually our first giant on the podcast, though, so I'm excited to tuck into it. This is the kind of monster that has a huge mythological backing, but then very little going on mechanically or even really lore-wise in D&D. So there's a lot of work to be done on the Cyclops, and we're going to get started with the Cyclops' history in D&D. The Cyclops first appears in 1983's Monster Manual 2 for AD&D, which surprised me considering how iconic I sort of consider them, especially in, like, mythology. They're pretty much the same as they're presented in 5e. They're reclusive, they have bad depth perception with ranged attacks, but they are described as having a weapon called a bardiche, which I had to look up. It's essentially like a glaive, like kind of like a poleaxe, essentially, which is cool. And it's like, why have we never seen like a bardiche in the long list of like third edition pole arms? You know, they're, they're kind of neat looking. Now I'm going to include a bardiche in a future game. Second edition doesn't really add much to the Cyclops, save uh, a few behavioral details about how reclusive they are. And of course, how they mate, which is something that second edition is always very curious about. Um, They do make the point that they are smaller than most giants, and in 2nd edition, anyway, are too small to actually hurl boulders. Like, they they call that out. Like, they are giants, but they can't throw rocks. That's, like, the one giant that can't do that, which seems odd to me. Now, it took me a while to track them down, but the Cyclops actually does not appear in 3.5 standard monster manual. Instead, they show up in Deities and Demigods, which was an infamous supplement that went through and statted up the gods not only from the D&D pantheon, but also from the Hellenistic pantheon and the Egyptian pantheon and the Norse pantheon. Um, I remember a lot of DMs complaining about not really wanting Zeus to have an armor class because all that means is then you can kill Zeus, right? In Deities and Demigods, they are presented with two different varieties, the greater and the lesser Cyclops. The former is uh, actually presented as being more intelligent and are often better equipped, kind of implied to be those like crafter Cyclopses, which I always thought were like kind of closer to the Norse conception of dwarves, right? That they, they make weapons for the gods, and they're kind of like known for their crafting and nothing else. 
They also have an ability uh, which is kind of cool, but then when you actually think about it, it's, it's pretty baffling, called Catch Rocks, where like if someone throws a giant rock at a Cyclops, they can catch it out of the air. It seems neat, but then you think about in what context is someone going to throw a rock at a Cyclops? They don't say they can catch just projectiles. No, it's just rocks. So I guess if they're fighting other giants... But in what context does a party encounter a Cyclops where other giants are throwing rocks at it? It's just, like, hyper-specific. Cool, but basically useless. And then lastly, 4th Edition does the most work with the Cyclopses that I've seen in D&D. And I think this is the best iteration of them. Um, they give them kind of like a Feywild pedigree, attaching them specifically to the Fomorians, which is also cool, and kind of tying them a little bit into Irish mythology. And they make them kind of like loyal, like cultural kind of servitors. The Cyclopes have served the Fomorians for, you know, eons uncounted, kind of baking in the idea that, like, you could probably turn a Cyclops against the Fomorians if you can kind of duly encourage them. The coolest thing I think about the 4th edition Cyclops is that they give them a gaze attack, which I think is actually pretty smart, you know, for like a a giant whose sole distinguishing feature is that it has one eye. But across the various different Cyclops iterations, they do various different things. They allow extra attacks, they incur penalties, all different kinds of stuff. This is, as I said, in my opinion, the best version of the Cyclops. But in 5e, they scale a lot of this back and they kind of just return the Cyclops to a reclusive island-dwelling giant who likes to hit you with its club. That's not to say there aren't things to like about the Cyclops, and those are what we're going to cover coming up next. Now, my first one's a bit of a low bar, but I do like that they are actually included here in the Monster Manual. It feels like throughout the history of D&D, they've kind of gotten the short shrift a little bit. Like, they're not in the first Monster Manual, and they're not even in a third edition Monster Manual at all. I'm happy to see them make the cut in the first Monster Manual that 5e made. I think a Cyclops is cool. I think it's a very iconic mythological monster. And I think they've kind of been given the short shrift uh, throughout the history of the game. So it's good to see them here. Like I said, kind of a low bar. For my second thing, I do like that they're reclusive um, rather than kind of like out and out evil. I think alignment wise in 5e, they're presented as chaotic neutral, which definitely has its problems. Like I'm not a big fan of just assuming that the Cyclops is a dim-witted brute, right? You could have a dim-witted brute for a Cyclops, but the idea that they are all dim-witted brutes is problematic. And we've talked about this at length. Uh, Dumb monsters or evil monsters are very limiting um, and reinforce yucky stereotypes. But I like the idea of them culturally being kind of reclusive, that they're not found in populated areas, that they tend to keep to themselves, that like Cyclops culture is about just farming in the hills and being left alone, which I think is a cool variation on the giants who are normally so aggressive towards humans, especially like hill giants and frost giants and fire giants. To see a Cyclops just kind of want to be left alone to do its own thing has a cool kind of gentle giant uh, feeling to it, which I like. And my favorite thing about the 5th edition Cyclops is that I love poor depth perception. It's a very fun ability. It's, weaknesses are really good, and I like it when monsters have vulnerabilities and weaknesses that aren't just they take extra damage from a certain damage type. Like, this is a, a fun way to play with the idea of how do you fight a Cyclops. The way it works is that they have disadvantage on ranged attacks uh, past a certain point. 
right? So the notion is that if you want to kind of uh, keep an advantage fighting a Cyclops is you always want to stay sort of outside of its, its like immediate range, about 30 feet away, you know, kind of attack it with ranged weapons. So it's forced to throw rocks at you. But if you're outside of its radius, then it's got disadvantage. And that to me feels like it's taking advantage of the cool thing about the Cyclops, which is that they can't see very well at great distances. So I like that. It's a little specific, maybe, but I do like that it encourages a certain type of tactic rather than just saying, okay, well, this monster has vulnerability to radiant damage, so the cleric just gets gets to feel like a badass. The whole party can kind of get involved with this ability, assuming that they all have ranged attacks. Those are the things I like about the 5th edition Cyclops. Next, we're going to talk about things that I don't like so much and ways that it could be improved. Sing it with me, folks. They're pretty boring to run. This is another monster where they're just kind of relying on the idea of multi-attack being its sole power. I find that very boring. I feel like they definitely don't have to be overloaded with a bunch of powers, but there's got to be something more interesting to do here. And of course, we will cover that in our improvements. But I think it goes without saying, looking at this monster, just like the Pegasus, there is basically nothing happening here. I mentioned this earlier in the uh, positives, but I just don't love that they're stupid brutes without a lot of lore explaining why they're stupid brutes. Like, it just sort of assumes that, like, because you're a giant, you've got to be a moron. And that's just clearly not the case, especially looking at things like storm giants and cloud giants. There's no reason for them to be dumb. Like, it doesn't add anything. Like, you can be a reclusive shepherd and be perfectly intelligent without having to be, like, a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal. Like, if you want to make that point that, like, they are basically, like like proto giants that's kind of cool like maybe that could be in the lore right that they're like an earlier ancestor of the giants and that's why you only find them in remote areas because they've otherwise died out like it's kind of a cool lost world angle but they don't take that angle they just say that they're reclusive and dumb and there's no good reason given as to why that is so i feel like there's a lot of lore that could be explored here and then my third critique is kind of uh hand in hand with that is that like why lose the artisan angle Like, you don't have to reflect that in the mechanics necessarily, but that is the other big myth about the Cyclopes in Greek mythology is that they are kind of like, you know, think of them like dwarves. I get the idea why with the Azur and the dwarves and the fire giants, you don't want to make yet another group of giants that are known for their great weapon crafting. But, you know, maybe you make some connection there. Maybe the fire giants, like, stole the knowledge from the Cyclopes about how to build weapons and stuff like that. Or even like Prometheus style, like the Cyclops told the fire giants about it or instructed them and then they kind of went off and made their own thing and like quickly outstripped the cyclops and so there's like competition between the two different cultures like there's just a lot of opportunity for lore there that incorporates the myth and they just don't want to engage with it they just want to say they live on an island and are dumb and wear a loincloth i mean again you can do that you can say polyphemus is like a shipwrecked cyclops but there's no reason to say they're all like that So it's kind of a similar critique to my second one, but it feels like you're just missing out on some lore that actually does exist. Or even going back and hearkening to the fourth edition lore, like incorporate the Fomorians again. That was really cool. But no, they just want to say that they're drooling, club-wielding brutes, as though we don't have enough of those. So let's talk about improvements then. I mean, I think the first one, if you want to talk about lore, is to explain why they are reclusive. I really kind of like the Neanderthal angle, right? That maybe the Cyclops was the original giant, you know, and that the other giants have kind of evolved or are downstream from the Cyclops. 
you know, maybe it's not confirmed, but it's like believed. And so they're much more reclusive because, you know, those giants that kind of went into the mainland and interacted with each other uh, and raised their empires, they kind of evolved into the proper hill and stone and frost giants, whereas the Cyclops is, again, kind of like a proto version. You could even then justify why their intelligence isn't quite as high. I would maybe give them better wisdom or something like that. But that's one way to do it. Another way to do it would be to say that they are rivals with fire giants and that they're kind of artisans, you know, and that the fire giants have like pushed them out or have kind of taken over territories traditionally associated with with cyclopses. Like they used to be found near volcanoes and things and they were driven away by the fire giants. And now they're kind of like out on the fringes and living in small bands, you know, having to subsist on herding or whatever. You could get really mythical and say the fire giants like stole the knowledge from the Cyclopes and now they're trying to like recover it. I don't know. There's just like a lot of narrative you could do that's, again, just not here. The big one for me, I think, is to harken back to fourth edition and to, to like revisit that gaze attack. Back in the day, it was called the Evil Eye, which I understand why they would have like maybe wanted to change the name, but I don't understand why they would have wanted to get rid of it entirely. I think the idea of the Cyclops being able to curse you in some way, especially with like a gaze attack, because it reinforces not only the core concept of like, this is just a giant with one eye, so a gaze attack feels like a very low-hanging fruit, but I think it plays into kind of like the Ur-Myth of the Cyclops in the Odyssey, right, where Odysseus is its prisoner, and then, you know, they escape, and because he brags about blinding the Cyclops as he sails away... Polyphemus reaches out to Poseidon and then curses Odysseus. So curses and Cyclopes have associations, and I feel like that's one thing I don't really know that I've seen in a monster. Beyond a monster that can just cast the spell, bestow curse, having some kind of a gaze curse that's, like, lingering. So the Cyclops, like, fights you, and then during the fight it casts this curse on you, and that it persists. Maybe you don't even know that you have the curse until later when you realize, like, oh, I can't do this, or, you know, it's affecting your ability to do whatever. What form that curse would take, I'm not sure. It's probably a great topic for our our stream on Thursdays. But I think give the gaze attack back. I mean, you could do it even simpler. It could just be like a laser. Like, you could just shoot a laser out of its eye. I think that um, the Cyclops in the first season of the Castlevania Netflix show does something like that. I think it's even a petrifying gaze, which I don't think is quite right because we have a lot of petrifying monsters. But you just even just like shooting a laser out of its eyeball gives it something else to do. Um, especially kind of then paired with poor depth perception, right? That it's shooting at a distance. I think that's the simplest version. I find the curse to be more interesting, but, you know, the point is there's a lot of variation you could do with the gaze attack that isn't just petrification. Ooh, what if the curse blinds you? That's pretty cool. I like that. Maybe it's like a blindness ray that they shoot out, right? Because it's kind of the thing that happens to Polyphemus. I dig that. And then lastly, I would I would encourage maybe make poor depth perception like a little bit more effective i mean this might be overkill but because it's so corner case maybe say that like a ranged attacks made from 30 feet away have advantage against the cyclops right that like it can't judge where arrows and and spells and things are coming in from at that distance so it's bad at dodging them i think that also kind of makes sense right it's so to further encourage the party to fight them at range i think it's one thing to say that the cyclops's ranged attacks have disadvantage but i feel like most characters are just going to ignore that and charge in but if it's clear that attacking it at distance gives you advantage then i think that's more likely to change the tactics of the party than just a penalty that the cyclops has if you want another vulnerability or another way to make poor depth perception bad that they have disadvantage on any spell or ability that would blind them Feels mythic and kind of corner case, but it makes poor depth perception a little bit stronger. 
Great. So that is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch our Monster Workshop streams on Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. I will put a link below in the description uh, to come hang out with us there if you want to see how kind of the monster is redesigned. But this will bring us to the end of the C section of the Monster Manual, which means we're going to take a short hiatus as I kind of like hopefully assemble some guests for our D section. Ds are going to be pretty wild. So we have three big groups in the Ds. We have demons, devils, and dragons. So I will probably be breaking up the strict alphabetical order to deal with that. That way it isn't just like a deluge of demon and dragon and devil episodes. So we'll probably be kind of alternating back and forth as we go through the Ds, trying to clear all of these like big grouped monsters. Because I feel like there's a lot to say about them, but I don't want to have 15 episodes in a row that are just demons and devils and then dragons. So, but that's coming up. We're going to take a short hiatus, maybe for a couple of weeks or a month, and then we'll be back. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out. Or don't, yeah, there we go. That's it. Don't shoot your eye out. And happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.